Back to football this week on the Dave Pash Podcast. It was great to catch up with J.J. Redick, podcaster and ESPN NBA analyst, talking about Duke's run to the Final Four, playing for Coach K, the Suns, NBA awards, NBA postseason. But back to the gridiron with Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Media. Daniel is an NFL Network analyst, host of the Move the Sticks podcast, along with Bucky Brooks. And he's also the radio analyst for the Los Angeles Chargers. DJ will dive in deep on who the Cardinals are potentially looking at at number 23, who some players are he thinks would be a great fit, whether the Cardinals will focus on offense or defense at number 23. Where you're picking, you're kind of at the mercy of what what falls to you because the draft can go in so many different directions. But I still think, you know, firepower on offense. I think on the defensive side of the ball, you know, just getting younger and, and more dynamic up front. What does he think of some of the other draft picks? Does he like Aiden Hutchinson going number one to Jacksonville? Or does he take the field? What about Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pitt? Will he be the first quarterback taken in the 2022 NFL draft? And does he have a sleeper, a favorite player of his that maybe won't go early in the draft, but that he thinks will be an excellent NFL player down the road? You can catch NFL Network's coverage and Daniel, who will be all over the airwaves during live coverage of the 2022 NFL draft from Las Vegas, April 28th through the 30th. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Sign up for BetMGM today using code CARDS1000 and get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and over, Arizona only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Here he is from NFL Media, Daniel Jeremiah. So, Daniel, let's start talking Arizona Cardinals. What do you think the Cardinals are going to be looking for at 23? Because last year, in the middle of the first round, the Cardinals had a player that they were hoping that was going to be there, that happened to be there in Zayvon Collins. Yeah. This year's a little bit different because you really don't know who's going to slide. And then maybe players that they have that might go early second round, but they have a higher grade than other teams that maybe they take at 23. What do you think they're going to be looking for there? Well, I think there's so many different ways you can go and, and kind of you, you hit it where you're picking. You're kind of at the mercy of what what falls to you because the draft can go in so many different directions. But I still think, you know, firepower on offense, you know, trying to find another playmaker. It's a deep receiver group. You can kind of play that out and see how it goes. Sometimes when you have a, a good number of wideouts like we do, sometimes teams can be patient, which then maybe you're sitting there on the clock and you've got three or four guys you really like, then you can slide back and still get, you know, whoever that may be, a Traylon Burks, a Jahan Dotson, you know, whoever your flavor is that you like out of that group. That's an option. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, you know, just getting younger and, and more dynamic up front, uh, trying to find guys that, that fit there. I look at a guy just kind of knowing Steve over the years, there are certain players you could see kind of tickling his fancy. And for some reason, I think of a guy like Devontae Wyatt, who's just ultra, ultra explosive, a defensive tackle from Georgia. Um, if somehow he were to be in that mix there, I could see that that being somebody he'd really like. What about a corner? Because that's a position of need. The Cardinals drafted Marco Wilson. He played yeah. very well last year, given where he was picked and the fact he's a rookie. And Byron Murphy played well, not all season, 
but a good part of the season where you feel good about him. But that's still a position that the Cardinals are looking to upgrade. Yeah, there's going to be guys there. I mean, Andrew Booth, you know, hasn't been, you know, fully healthy to be able to participate in everything in the spring out of Clemson. So I think there's a chance he'll be there uh, when they pick. I mean, I look, Stingley's going to be gone. Uh, Sauce Gardner's going to be gone. Trent McDuffie's going to be gone. Um, so you think you take those guys out of the mix there. But there'll still be some other intriguing names that, that you could look at. Um, Booth would probably be the one, if I'm kind of looking at my list, who would probably be right in that range. Uh, Kyrie Elam, another one out of Florida, is somebody that's, you know, folks around the league are a little bit higher on him than I am. He's, you know, big and fast, you know, big, long and fast. He's a little bit inconsistent for me, but I know some teams have him in that late one range. So that's another one uh, you could keep an eye on there. But again, I, I think they're in kind of a, in a position where I don't feel like, and you tell me covering the team, but I don't feel like there's a gun to their head at any individual position. They can line up with 22 guys and play tomorrow. Um, so I don't know that there's that one position where some of these teams, like you're like, they don't have a tackle, like they can't line up and play tomorrow. They kind of have to go in this direction. I don't really get that sense with the Cardinals. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I did want to get your sense of how you evaluate their off season. I, I've been telling this story to several people. I work a lot of NBA games with Hubie Brown. Yeah. He's 88 years old. He's the been best. NBA for 50 years. Yeah. Hubie tells this story of he's an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks in the early seventies. Oscar Robertson is on the team. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a young champion at that point. They had just won the championship. After that year, they, they had a year where they lose in the playoffs. And at that time, Larry Costello was the head coach. The owner, Larry Costello and Hubie, because then you only had one assistant. You didn't have this whole staff. <laughs> they go to Vegas, the three of them, to talk about the team and what to do in the offseason. Initially, everybody was traded except Kareem. But then over time, they met like day after day for about four or five days. They didn't trade anybody. And I compare that to the Cardinals a little bit because I think initially the way they lost, the way they closed yeah. the year, a lot of people are like, man, you got a clean house. Well, the Cardinals mm -hmm. just did that a few years ago. They changed coaching staffs. They drafted a quarterback in the first round the year after they drafted a quarterback mm -hmm. in the first round. So I think what that tells me is 7-0 and is real. 10-2 and is real. To your point, you've got 22 guys you can line up and win. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not good enough to win a championship just yet because you still need to add some pieces, but you're good enough where you don't have to make drastic changes. So based on what the Cardinals have done so far in the offseason, DJ, how would you evaluate that? Well, I think that's a great way to phrase it. I love that background. Hubie's the is the absolute best. I love listening to you guys, man. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's you, you want to use the early portion of the offseason, which is free agency to eliminate those dire needs that you have so that you can be nimble and be flexible and take best player available. There's no worse feeling in the, in the world than to be sitting there on draft day. And I've been in rooms like this uh, where you're like, man, we, we don't have a starting safety. So whether we have to trade up to get one or whether we don't feel like there's value where we are, we got to move back. But those are your sweating bullets when you're, when you're in the draft room in, the, in that situation. But that's why free agency helps to kind of fill in those holes they didn't really have that much to do um, in terms of, of having acceptable level players at every position. My challenge in this team kind of going forward, when you look at the, the quarterbacks you're going to have to play, especially, I mean, thankfully the NFC's is uh, some of those guys have left, but the quarterbacks you're going to have to get through to, to win a championship. You know, I know the offense there with Kyler can be explosive. They need more. I, I just think they're going to find their, you're going to find your way into some of those shootout games 
And as, as good as this group is, I think they need even more firepower than they have. And so that's a playmaker in any form, you know, however you can find that. I don't think there's a, you know, there's not a tight end worth a late first round pick to me. I look at the running backs. There's a couple that I like. If you wanted to trade back into the top of two, you could add another, you know, a player like a Brees Hall, add even more firepower to that group. But to me, the one that makes the most sense is I think because of the quality of wide receivers in this draft, I think they've got a chance to get a real difference maker. I, I don't know that you can have enough uh, in terms of weapons right now, the way the league's playing. I had Ohio State this year, and they absolutely destroyed Indiana. It was a ABC a primetime game where they were just clicking, and yeah. those three receivers were all phenomenal. Do you think any of those guys will be available? Chris Olave in some of the mock drafts has yeah. been there for the Cardinals at 23. You mentioned a couple of the guys earlier, Jahan Dotson. I'm trying to remember who the other receiver was. The Traylon Burks yeah, okay, from yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. Who do you think would best fit what the Cardinals want to do? Well, I, I, to me, the most intriguing one is Burks because he gives them a 225-pound guy that can do a lot of the stuff that they do, you know, in terms of getting the ball in his hands, let him run after the catch, and it just gives them a little bit of a different look uh, than what they've had. You, you know, gosh, you watch Debo, you see him inside the division, the ability to put him in the backfield, do different things, get the ball out of your hand quick and let guys make plays with the football. That's what he does, and to me, it's just, you know, when I went back and looked at wideouts over the last – couple years and i've tried to find you know what's that thing that they all have in common the top guys the elite guys you'll find all different play speeds you know find all different sizes but they all had play strength you know when you kind of look at those top guys over the last couple years look at what jamar chase came into the league and did um obviously you see debo you see aj brown you see dk in the in the division these guys all are strong physical guys cooper cup has incredible play strength and people don't realize it's like 215 216 pounds so adding a little bit even more strength to that group uh, to kind of complement what you have there, get D-Hop back healthy. Um, you've got the speed guy with Rondale Moore. I, I think that's kind of a – would be a fun ingredient for them to play with. Cardinals re-sign, to me, and if you ask Steve Kime, he might agree, there are three top priorities. Zach Ertz, James yeah. Conner, Colt McCoy, because of how important Colt is yeah. to Kyler. And – Christian Kirk gets a great contract. He was on this podcast, and I know for him, while it was probably hard to not win a championship here with his hometown team, he was a Cardinal yeah. fan growing up. He, he's getting an incredible opportunity, obviously, with a ton of money in Jacksonville. So a lot of fans here are like, okay, well, what are the Cardinals going to do now to replay? They bring back Max Williams and Zach Ertz, but what are they going to do at receiver? And I keep saying, let's not sleep on Rondell Moore. Now, the Cardinals yeah. drafted him high last year, second-round pick. He did not have the production that I think people thought he was going to have based on how the year started and what we saw in camp. How, how would you grade his first year? And what did you think of him coming out? Did you see him as a eight to 10 year NFL receiver that goes to the pro bowl a few times? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to actually look up and see exactly where I had him because I always, uh, it's always a fun exercise for me to look back and see what number I had him on. So okay. I kind of keep my little sequence list in here. And I'll pull up my notes that I had on him as we entered into the draft. So <laughs> Rondell Moore was my 70th player. So he was my 70th player. I said he was at his best in 2018. He's had injuries. He's got big time stop start quickness. He's explosive. Lots of shovel passes, lots of quick hitters, really explosive in the open field. I thought he was best as a catch and run guy. Um, so that was kind of my, my expectation. 
he went higher. Obviously, what what number pick was he? Do you remember? Oh, oh man, I, I, I got on my head. I'm trying to remember. It's early early second round. I can't remember. Yeah, head, but yeah, yeah. So he was right. He was he went a little bit higher than I had him. But I would say kind of where I what my expectations were and what he did probably matched up. You know, for year one, him getting his feet wet in the NFL. You saw some flashes. Just wasn't you know as consistent of a playmaker as you you maybe want throughout the year. But you know, to me, I think he's. He's on schedule for, for what he's going to be. I, I think he's a unique player with his kind of size, speed, you know, kind of a unique guy in that kind of compact package. I remember during the draft process, I compared him to Darren Sproles. Like, that's who he looks like when he's moving out there in the open field. Um, but you've got to kind of create ways to get him the ball. I did not think he was, you know, a pristine route runner or anything like that. He's a he get the ball in his hands, and that's where the fun starts. He was picked 49. So Okay, there you go. Losing Chandler Jones. Can you address that that late in the draft? There have been plenty of guys who have been late first-round picks. Yeah. I mean, Chandler Jones wasn't a high first-round pick and obviously has had a brilliant NFL career. Is that something you see the Cardinals potentially addressing? Is there a guy that could be their late first-round or maybe even because of a slower 40 time or maybe the height and weight aren't what everybody falls in love with, might be a second-round guy that could end up having a really good NFL career as an edge guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's depth in this group. Um, you know, there's a- absolutely going to be one there when they pick because I've, you know, I, I tweeted out the other day, there's 20 edge guys I like in this draft, and that's how deep it is. It really, really goes. So, um, you know, I look at a guy like Arnold Abicady from from Penn State who's who's really, really explosive off the edge. He's kind of that compact build. To me, he's like a, you know, from, from having watched Marcus Golden, to me, he's like a little more souped up version of that, but just has a lot of snap and a lot of pop in his hands. Just a, he's a really, really good player. I think that's probably he's probably going to go, you know, mid twenties to, to mid thirties, like in that range. Boye Mafe from from Minnesota is another one, really, really, you know, kind of twitched up. He's a little bit tight, um, but he gives you kind of that fastball off the edge. In terms of that body type of Chandler, if you were looking for somebody maybe outside the first round. Um, you know, Drake Jackson from from USC kind of has that real long limbed. Uh, I mean, he's not as tall as Chandler, but really, really long, real smooth, just was a little inconsistent uh, for USC over his career. But that's kind of more of a second round type option that you could put in that mix. So, they'll, yeah, they're, they're absolutely there's going to have options for edge rushers with their first pick. They're going to have options there with their second pick as well. Daniel, let's look at some of the other storylines around the NFL draft. Do you think Aiden Hutchinson will go number one or are you betting the field? Do you see somebody else getting picked first by Jacksonville? I think it'll be him. Um, I know there's a lot of talk and about Trent Balky being there and Balky kind of connecting him with his past with San Francisco and Alden Smith. And you, who's the Alden Smith in this draft? Well, that's more Trayvon Walker than it is Aiden Hutchinson. So there's been that kind of subplot floating around out there. I, I just look at it from from up above and kind of looking at the big picture of it. And I'm like, all the chaos that this organization's been through in the last year, don't you just want steady in the middle of the fairway, you know, easy choice, Aiden Hutchinson. He comes in clear packaging, Dave. You know exactly what you're getting with him. So and I, I think that, you know, I think it's it's a little disrespectful to say, oh, he's a high floor player, which kind of insinuates this guy's never going to have more than eight or nine sacks in the NFL. Not he looks like when you look at kind of his numbers, his measurables, how he moves, there's a lot of Jared Allen, you know, to him. So to me, I think that's kind of for me, it's a no brainer. Um, I guess the, the uh, you know, still some uncertainty of what they'll do, but I think that's where they'll land. One of my favorite stories in this draft is Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pitt. Mm-hmm. We had him week two 
against Tennessee and meeting with Pat Narduzzi, Mark Whipple at the time, the offensive coordinator, whose son, Spencer, you know, big part of the Cardinal staff last year and just how they raved. And we met with Kenny as well and spoke to him for about 15 minutes. And they were surprised that he came back because they thought he was going to be a second or third round pick. And they thought that's, that that's good. You should, you should do that. It's amazing. He's now potentially the first quarterback taken. (laughs) Is there a comp for him in the NFL right now? Yeah, no, he's my top quarterback. I think he's like my 24th overall player. Um, you know, when I you talk about comparisons, the first one that came to mind actually was Hasselbeck. Like just watching him throw the football, he reminded me of Matt, just how he kind of moves around. And, you know, you'd say Hasselbeck has, I would use the phrase, kind of has enough of everything, right? He's got enough arm strength. He's got enough athleticism. I don't know that Matt was ever superior in any of those areas, but he's above the line in everything. And that's to me kind of like what Kenny Pickett is. The other, if you're looking for somebody that's on NFL field right now, I'd say kind of a Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, throw on the move. He's good either way doing that. Everybody really enjoys, enjoys his company. Um, that's one of the things that's comes up over and over again. I'm sure you've, you've felt that way. Just being around him. Yeah. Talk to guys that were around him at the Manning camp. They say he was kind of the Pied Piper. All the other college quarterbacks wanted to be around him. Same thing at the Senior Bowl, same thing at the Combine. So I, I kind of look at the upside for him as, you know, I, you know, if you're looking at 32 starting quarterbacks, Dave, I would say he's got a chance to be, a, you know, the 13th, 14th best quarterback in the league, at, you know, when he hits his stride and gets going. You know, I think a Kirk Cousins is probably another one that's probably in that range. You know, Kirk's never going to be a top five quarterback, but you can win a lot of games with him. Um, I think Kenny Pickett's the same same type. We always we always talk on the podcast about trucks and trailers, right? There's maybe five to six trucks in this league that are quarterbacks that can literally pull the rest of the team along with them. Everybody else is a trailer. You're kind of reluctant. You're reliant on what's you know kind of around you and what's supporting you. That's that's what he's going to be. I think he's going to be a trailer. Put him on a good team with good players, and and you'll win games. Do you have a favorite sleeper player, somebody that you absolutely love that wherever this guy goes, whether he's a top 10 pick or late first or middle of the draft guy that you think is going to be a star? Yeah, I I wouldn't say a star on this one, but to me, like John Mechie from Alabama who tore his ACL, he's like the forgotten wide receiver in this draft. Um, But he's a really, really clean route runner. He catches everything. He's tough. Just put him in the slot. You know, I talked about that play strength. He's got excellent play strength. He's going to come into the league. He's going to get. He's going to be healthy. He's probably going to go in the third round, uh, coming off that injury, and he's going to catch eighty-five balls every year for the next ten years. Like that, to me, is kind of one of those guys that if you're in the in the room, you kind of just highlight him and say, okay, that's that's one we'd like to get into the fold. You do a lot of work for the Chargers. Are you enjoying that, by the way? Do you enjoy uh, because you do such a great job? You know. on your podcast or just analyzing draft picks, but in terms of calling games, are you enjoying that? And what's it like to cover Justin Herbert every week? (laughs) Well, it's a, it's a friendly reminder of how you didn't grade him properly. I get reminded of that 20 times a year. So that's a unique experience as somebody who does personnel. Uh, But he's been, yeah, it's been great, man. And you, you know what it there's of all the different things I've got to do that, that might be my favorite. It's just because the spontaneity of it and the excitement there's, there's fans it's being in the studio and, and, you know, that's fun. The draft is pretty killer. You know, when we get, when we took that thing on the road and now you get hundreds of thousands of people out there, that's a pretty cool rush, but being inside the stadium, 
um, and getting a chance to, you know, see a really entertaining team with, uh, with Herbert and, and, and Derwin James and Bosa, the, the division is going to be killer um, for these next few years here when you've got Mahomes and, you know, the Raiders have loaded up as well. The Broncos get Russell Wilson. So I'm fired up for it. It's a lot of fun working with Matt's the best. Um, you know, you would know better than anybody, the importance of just having somebody you enjoy being around. Um, and Matt's, Matt's really good. And then we also just have a great time together on the road. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've been trying to replace Wolf for almost 20 years now. It still hasn't worked. So I'm, <laughs> I think we're, I think we're stuck. No, he's That's my favorite part of the preseason, by the way, is when I get, <laughs> I get into a hotel. Cause usually it's like a charger road game. So I get into the hotel. Yeah, I'm usually kind of working on something. I've got the game on in the background. And as soon as I hear Wolfie, I'm like, oh, that's distinguishable. You never have to wonder who's playing on the TV when you hear his voice come out there. I love it. It's great to watch how people respond when he's on TV in preseason that don't listen to Cardinal games during the year. And they're yeah. like, who is this guy? You know, see, everybody thinks he's putty uh, from uh, from Seinfeld. Everybody compares him to the voice of Elaine's boyfriend from Seinfeld. It's Twitter hits it every time, every year. It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. Look, I know you've told this story before, uh, and I don't know if there's you know a different aspect to it that maybe you haven't talked about publicly. But I'm curious how how did you get to how did you get started with this? Yeah. You know, I I grew up a, a lot of times. Listen, I knew your name just listening to your dad, who's a you know famous yeah. Christian author and and speaker, and had written a lot of books. Uh, how did you get into this? You know, why did you get into this? And are you surprised at where it's taken you? Yeah, you know, it's a total it's a total god thing because I couldn't have scripted it or planned it the way that it happened. Um, you know, I grew up and I was always I was always a kind of a draft junkie as somebody who played, you know, high school and college football I was always into the draft. Um, didn't know exactly how I could ever work in in the field associated with it, but I just was in, interested in it and always loved it. Um, my dad as you mentioned is a pastor, um, so during the Super Bowl in 1997, Chris Mortensen uh, from ESPN listened to my dad on the radio every day. And so during that Super Bowl, there was two weeks, you know, between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl. So he, on that Sunday between, went to my dad's church and wanted to introduce himself. So went and introduced himself to my dad. Um, I was, I, so this would have been my freshman year of college. I was home during that time, during the break. I went home for lunch after church and Chris Mortensen's in my family room. My dad had invited him up to lunch. Uh, so that's how I met Mort and we, we, uh, struck up a friendship. He was so generous with me, you know, took me to media day and met Reggie white. And, you know, that was kind of my first introduction to that. So we had that friendship kind of developed. So then you, you kind of fast forward, I go and I'm, I'm playing at Appalachian state in my final year, my senior year, I, uh, I, I tear my MCL on the opener against wake forest. So kind of basically kind of ruined my whole senior year of, of, of football, but and what would have been maybe a frustrating thing, and this is a long-winded answer, but I, I go, I'm in the training room getting treatment. Would have never been in there at this time if I didn't have this knee injury. My brother's college roommate, uh, he played with at Liberty, was a scout for the Ravens, and he was going through, you know, scouting some of our NFL guys, of which I was not. Um, so he comes into the, to the training room. He recognizes me as his roommate's little brother, who he hasn't seen in six years, um, comes over and starts talking to me. So we kind of connect. Um, so then that was kind of a God thing, how that timing happened. Well, I end up after college through Chris, I end up getting on as a production assistant with Sunday night football. Um, so I'm traveling around with them. I was the ENG producer and I was the spotter up in the booth. Um, and so we're doing a Ravens game 
And I ran into my brother's roommate again in that press box. And then he introduced me to, to Phil Savage, who was the director of player personnel, asked if I'd be interested in scouting, had never thought about it in a million years. Um, so interviewed with them, got on there. Um, and that kind of started me down the down the personnel path, which again, the personnel path then eventually led me to the TV path. So I could have never known that Chris Mortensen was going to come to my dad's church. I could have never known I was going to get hurt, which would lead me to meet my brother's roommate in the training room is all these factors came together. And that's, you know, that's just kind of God guiding your life and, and, and taking you where you could never imagine you could go. Well, it's a great testimony. It's a great story. You do such a great job on, on all the platforms, whether it's on television, the podcast, the chargers broadcast, really enjoy your work, Daniel. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Well, it's a pleasure is all mine to get a chance to visit with you. You know, we've, we've had a chance to visit over the years. You know how much I, I admire and respect the work that you do. There's nobody better, my friend. Thanks, DJ. Appreciate it, man. So Daniel Jeremiah thinks the Cardinals will likely go offense in this draft. He did mention potentially the Cardinals looking at the defensive line at number 23, but he expects the Cardinals to continue to load up in terms of adding weapons to Kyler Murray's arsenal, as the expectation is, especially in the NFC West, even though Russell Wilson's no longer in the division, with the 49ers and the potent Rams offense, the Cardinals are going to have to score points to win the division. He does think Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan will go number one to Jacksonville, that that's the safest pick for the Jaguars at number one. And he has Kenny Pickett out of Pitt as his number one quarterback. I also love Daniel's story just on how he got into this to begin with. From growing up in a Christian home with his dad being a pastor, a famous author as well, and the connection to Chris Mortensen and how that turned into Daniel getting an opportunity eventually in scouting. And now he is all over NFL Network. And you can catch Daniel live coverage of the NFL draft from Las Vegas, April 28th through 30th. Daniel will be on a number of NFL media platforms discussing the draft. He's also host of the Move the Sticks podcast, along with Bucky Brooks. Great to talk to DJ, get his perspective on the Cardinals, their offseason, and a look ahead to the 2022 NFL Draft. Can't wait for April 28th through the 30th to catch Daniel on NFL Network and also to see what the Cardinals do with their first-round selection. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Thanks again to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Cash Podcast.